You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. Welcome back to another live stream episode of Think Different Theory Season 2. Guys, I am so, so excited about today's interview. Um, for the second day in a row, actually, and let me let me hit this, let me send, send this out. The second day in a row, we have a repeat guest, someone that's been on before, who's absolutely incredible and amazing. Um, she is one of the kindest, most amazing people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, and we've, I've had the pleasure of getting to know her a little bit over the past, gosh, it's been about a year or so. Her name is Natalie Hodson, and I'm going to bring her on because I could, I could tell her story, I could introduce her, I could do this big, huge, long intro, or I could just bring her on because she's absolutely amazing. So, um, Natalie Hodson, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for coming back for season two. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for inviting me. You and your audience are amazing, Josh, and for you guys watching, leave any questions that you have because we love seeing those come in, and um, thank you so much for this opportunity to have me here. It's absolutely, awesome. absolutely, I, and I appreciate you coming on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure as always. How have you been? It's been a minute since we've uh, <laughs> talked. Let's see, it was... I think it was what October of last year. I yeah, don't remember that we've been on. So it's been. I don't mm-hmm. know, well, no, it was before that because I traveled during that time. So that's I right. Yeah. So I think what happened is I asked you for some advice, and you were in Hawaii. And you guys, Josh is not this like just nice person online. He's like that in real life too. He was in Hawaii, and it was his time zone. It was late, and uh, he was like, uh, "Yeah, I'll hop on a call with you." And we ended up talking forever. I mean, seriously, that was awesome of you, Josh. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad. It, I'm glad it helped out, and we were able to get it done. Yeah. Um, I love so what's people. new? Yeah, what, what's new Sorry. in your world? What, what is new in your world now? It's been a minute. It's been a minute since we've talked. Oh, lots of things are new. Um, so, I mean, you guys know me because of all the business stuff. We, we can jump into that. But one thing I always joke about is I'm a secret prepper, <laughs> but I'm like not joking. So like, like, like um, doomsday? Yeah. Yep. I like exactly. That. I so like that. I live in a really nice suburban neighborhood and we just got I have a huge backyard and a huge garden. It's not that big of a backyard, but I have a huge garden. I planted 13 fruit trees and we just got chickens. Well, we got chickens a few months ago. So I thought I got four chicks. I mean, I did get four chicks. I thought they were hens. Well, two days ago, I woke up to a cockadoodle-doo and one of my uh, she's was actually a he. So this morning I'm like, my neighbors are going to kill me. So I got to figure out where this rooster is going to go. It's going to go to a good home. (laughs) So you, so you're in the process of figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, just as a side note on a personal thing that's kind of going on, but is it, wait, everything... hold, on, but hold on. I have a question. You said you're in a uh, urban neighborhood or a suburban neighborhood. Yeah. Just like a normal, we live in a cul-de-sac, just a normal neighborhood. And so I asked all my neighbors first, if they'd be okay with it, but honestly, chickens are quieter than dogs, unless you accidentally get a rooster. Unless you get a rooster. Good. Right. Cause I grew up on a farm. So oh, okay, that's I, right. Yeah. I have raised hundreds and hundreds of chickens <laughs> and I well, don't know how and it's hard to tell. I mean, when they're chicks, it's hard to tell. And then they don't crow until they're like six months old, which now he's six months old. And I was like, oh man. So that's kind of the situation there, but the, everything else is good. So we're going to, I called the humane society. They're going to help me bring home. Well, look at that. You, yeah. you, you being nice. Us farmers, <laughs> I think we would have 
probably taking care of him a different way. So I know I, I'm, su- that way too. I'm super glad that you're being super nice to him. That, that, that That's good. Yeah. That's good. And you're out yeah. of Boise, right? I am. So I live in Boise, Idaho. So I actually grew up in, I was born in New Jersey. I'm the oldest of 10 kids. Isn't that crazy? So I have five brothers. We grew up hunting, fishing, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I went to college here, ran cross country and track. And then after school, I was all over. So we were in Pittsburgh, DC, Texas. And then about five years ago, I moved back and I love Idaho. I, I know when you see me on, you know, it's like, oh, this, you know, this blonde girl, but I actually love roughing it up in the mountains. And that's kind of my, my place. When I get overwhelmed with work, I, kind of try to disappear into the mountains and do some backpacking. I've seen that from you. Mm-hmm. And I, we talked about that briefly on the last episode as well, kind of some of that in there. But like I follow some of your stuff and like have I know people that know you as well. And we've talked mm-hmm. a little bit. And that's how you unwind. It's how I unwind. Yeah. And I think that everybody's thing is going to be different, right? right. Maybe somebody right. likes to go for a run or maybe somebody likes to go to the ocean. I think for me, especially for those of us, like I have a hard time turning, turning it off, turning my brain off. Yeah. And so, and I, and I have a hard time not working. I'm, you know, I work really hard. And I think for those of us that have that really tough work ethic, um, going somewhere where you're kind of forced to shut it all off, Mm. one, isn't helpful for me. And two, it just, it just puts your mind in a different place. It makes you really great, full of gratitude, at least for me, you know, you look at like the beauty of the mountains and how the ecosystems all work together. And it helps me recognize, okay, there's different seasons for different times. And that's, I think how our businesses work, how personalized work, and that's how it works in nature. So a lot of times I turn to nature for like a mental reset, you know, mm-hmm. and just being alone where there's no other people. I'll go by myself a lot of the time. And um, it just gives you clarity, you know, clear mind to think. So that's like, that's my jam. But people are always surprised. They're like, Natalie, you go into the mountains by yourself. I'm like, oh, you don't know. You don't know me that well. My whole thing with the mountains. I see. I like the mountains. Um, I grew up actually, I lived in the mountains when I was young um, for probably a year and a half or so. Um, Like up, up little ski resort town, a few hundred people, maybe, maybe a few thousand uh, at most about 45 minutes outside of LA. Um, My whole thing with the mountains is, is that usually it's just so far away from anything convenient (laughs) <laughs> and you know true. what I mean? And like, yeah. I know you go up there to unwind and unplug, which is awesome. and something I need to do more of, but I also know like you, you hosted retreats up there, didn't you? Yeah. How did that I go? Did, because so. I remember, well, last time, cause last time we were talking about that, you were like, was it Myron Golden? Who was like, you must do a high, who was it that was telling <laughs> Myron. you? you got, yeah. Myron, like raise your prices and do more. And you sold like, what was it? Like a quarter million bucks or something like that. In yeah, like 48 it, hours or something. Yeah, it was insane. It was an amazing retreat. Um, right now we're we don't have a, a date scheduled for another one. I um, I I kind of go back and forth between the mount the mountains being my place to just kind of reset, and then also like uh wanting to get other people to experience that too. So I think what we may do in the future is keep that only for people that are in like my business coaching program. So as a benefit for them, for the high, higher ticket stuff that they get to come, but we're not, we're not a hundred percent sure on that yet. So I just, I don't know. I love it. You know, what's crazy about all the outdoor stuff though, Josh, and I know you've, you get some of this on your page I see is, um, the polarity, uh, that it attracts. <laughs> so uh, when yes. I, so part of the way I grew up, I told you I'm one of 10. And so we grew up, I mean, for a long time, kind of living off the land, we had a massive one acre garden and we would hunt and we would fish. And that was just, that was the food we ate for the rest of the year. And so 
for me, I respect that process so much. Mm. Um, I love animals. I love animals, but, um, I also recognize that there's a cycle of life. And for me, it's not just, I mean, it's a lot of time you go out, you scope, you hike sometimes like way into the back country. And then if you're lucky enough to get an animal, you carry it on your back, you quarter it and it's a hundred pounds per trip. And, right. you know, and we pray over the animal. And, um, so a couple of years ago, I was just, I was really proud. You know, I'd gotten an elk that year and a deer. And I was, That's awesome. in fact, I actually scoped myself. I have makeup on right now, so you can't see, but I, there's, you know, a kick on the gun and you I was so that. excited. To the big <laughs> but, um, I did get the buck, but, um, anyways, so I posted that picture on my Facebook page and I have never seen anything like it. Mm. I got, I probably lost over a thousand followers. I got called the CU word more times than I ever want to even count. And I had actual death threats. I had an actual person that came and said, next time you're innocently hiking in the woods, I'm going to pull my gun out and shoot you and your family like you did to that poor elk. Which is and I so was like, dumb. I mean, you're, really? like, you're like the sweetest, kindest person <laughs> I've ever met in my life. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Well, and you know, it was so interesting because, and then I I just, you know, I went down the rabbit hole and I looked at their profile and they have pictures of them eating cheeseburgers and stuff. And but so I had to kind of take a step back and I thought about deleting the post because it was emotionally hard for me to get all that hate. Right. Um, but I started to recognize, well, two things. One, most of the hate actually came from people in other countries. Okay. So I had a little bit of empathy because I, I had to recognize, you know, we're so lucky in Idaho here, for example, 70% of our state is public. Mm. And so we can just go up into the mountains where in other countries there isn't public land. Right. They don't have gun rights. So the idea of them even having a gun, it's like this foreign Concept. thing, right? Right. right? And so I had to have a little empathy there. And then I also had to recognize, you know, this is a part of who I am. And I'm either going to, I know repel is a strong word, but I'm either going to attract people who are like me and it's, I'm okay with repelling people that aren't, that, that aren't think that don't think the way I think. And it's not that I'm mean or cruel or unkind. I just had to get to the place in my head where, you know, and now what I do, and I, you know, I say all the time, I get, it's, it's crazy, Josh. Like you, I'm a nice person. I'm always like, why are people so mean to me online? And I get mean or hateful comments or emails every single day. And, um, it used to really bother me. You know, it's kind of like you can get, um, a hundred nice comments, but that one mean right. one gets like right. in your head. Right. It's like, if you're, if you're, if you're at your job and you get a job review and they say so many good things, and then there's the one area that you can improve on. And like, that's all you think about, you know, oh, ever. Right. And so what I had to, um, I learned this process that's really helped me is I, I recognize one, um, usually hurt people, hurt people. And so a lot of times when people are critical or mean to you, it's so much, it's usually much more about them and what they're struggling with than, than you even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also learned you really can't change people's minds. And usually if you, cause my natural instinct is to want to like keyboard warrior back oh, right, and be like, oh, right. you don't know my story, you know, or, or even be nice about it. Right. Yeah. Like go back and be like, but here's why, but here's why, but here's why. And like bring yep. context around it because you have this, at least I'm this way and I'm sure you are as well. But like, I feel like if people just knew me, right. Have you, do you watch the office at all? Oh yeah. Okay. So Pam on there and she's like, yeah. I'm a nice person. If people just <laughs> knew me, I feel, I don't like people hating me. And she's like, I feel like, what was it? Even if terrorists, like even if I got to sit down with it, like even the terrorists would think I'm a nice person. Right. I'm yeah. Like, that's how I feel. And that's how I think too. You right. know, I'm like, if people knew me, but, um, so now I just, you know, I don't respond. It usually just fuels their fire. And I've learned what I've learned to do actually is 
try to pinpoint what inside me that it, their comments triggered. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. like, what was it, what was the insecurity I had that got triggered or what was, what about their comment triggered me? And I just try to sit with that for a minute and process that and wrestle with it. And now I just, I thank them for the awareness and I, I move on. Well, so I have a question for you though, actually about this. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to get back to that thing because I, I want to talk about I have questions for you about identity and about belief um, because I know you're big into that. And so am I. Um, Do you know Katie Richardson? Yeah, I love Katie. We're good friends. So I just hired her as my coach. And oh my gosh, she has blown my freaking mind, right? Like just incredible. But um, I was having a conversation with my mom. So my mom and I have a a very interesting relationship. My mom and I, I mean, I love my mom. And we're very close, especially after the death of my brother. Like, I mean, that just, so my mom is naturally my mother. Yeah. But there are certain things that we talk about, and um, I, we talk a lot about what I post. And as you know, I'm a pretty, <laughs> pretty polarizing person. I am not a. Fr- I don't intend to be, honestly. I just, I think that a lot of people are wusses and like won't stand up for what they believe in, or there's like, like they just need to be told the truth, right? And so, I mean, I'm pretty vocal about my support of Trump and and his policies. I've been, you know pretty straightforward about like, Hey, if you're broke, it's your fault. Yeah. I mean, I'm a very personal development, personal responsibility type person. Right. And that's my audience. That's who I attract. And that's who I talk to. And the big issue and discussion that I always get in with my mom is like, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. And and my mom, like, you're not going to offend her. I mean, we're very much like like that. And I'm sure she's probably watching honestly. Um, but, uh, I'm like, mom, that's my audience. That's who I'm talking to. Cause she's like, Josh, there are legitimate people that need help. Right. And I'm like, now, and my mom is in no way a, a, a liberal or a Democrat by any means, but I mean, she's a Christian. She's very, very, very Christian, very Bible believing. So I don't really would say she identifies with one political party or the other, but she, I bash on those people that are on food stamps, right? Bash on those people that are receiving, you know, welfare. And I'm like, there is a small percentage of people that need that. But like the audience that I'm talking to is not that, right? Mm-hmm. That being yeah. said, I am... I have a decent sized audience. I'm not near as big as you are, <laughs> but like, I feel like in order to evolve to the next level, I do need to be aware of what I'm saying, who I'm attracting, who I'm repelling. How do you go about like, cause I'm sure there's certain things that like, oh, okay. Like I stand up for this and this is not a problem, but I'm not going to say this because this is going to offend certain people in my audience. Like, how do you go about like making sure that you're speaking to your audience and repelling the people that you don't want. Because uh, Steve Larson, who we both love, taught me, he said, Josh, it is just as important to um, unattract people that you don't want in your audience as it is to attract the people that you want. How do you find the balance there? So my response, it's an interesting question, a good question. Uh, my response may be different than what you would expect. Um, so I a hundred percent believe, especially from a marketing perspective, when you know the person that you're talking to, it makes your job so much easier because you understand their pain points and you understand their struggles. And so you can speak directly to them. Whereas if you're trying to talk to everybody, it's not nearly as effective. Mm. It's kind of like if you had a school and you had you know, first graders and teenagers, and you couldn't, it'd be much harder to speak directly to that particular person when you're trying to just generically speak to everybody. Right, right. Um, so, okay. Do you, would you be okay if I told a little story real Absolutely, fast to explain this? So sure. the, the, the short answer is that I believe now that I, I am, I'm allowed to believe what I believe and think what I think. And I do that on my page all the time. 
I also do it in a way though, that I try to show empathy for people that disagree with me and understand, you know, why they might think the way that they think, and that's okay. But this is why I think differently. And, um, part of, I think where that came from, and I believe that's been part of why my brand has grown the way that it has is because people, I hope can understand that, um, even if they disagree with me or I disagree with them, I have empathy and I have compassion for where they're at. And I believe where that came from, um, so part of my story, and I and I've told this now a number of times, but not everybody, especially if your audience is new to follow to, yeah. to knowing who I am. Um, when I was younger, um, and I always feel like I need to preface this by saying, uh, my mom is just like you were just talking about your mom. Um, the goodness, the kindness in me that people are drawn to, that comes from her a hundred percent. And she was one of the she's one of those people that you know there could be you could be in a room with a hundred people and all one hundred people would want to talk to her. She just makes you feel so loved. And um, but her perception of reality isn't reality. And so when I was growing up, she was in and out of prison a lot mo- mm. most of my life. And um one of the times I was 19 and she actually, we look a lot alike. If you look at a picture of her, when I was, when she was 34, my age, we look like twins. Really? Okay. And, um, she actually stole my identity when I was 19 and it was a bad deal. I, um, I had to, I was basically, you know, a sophomore in college and got served papers from the sheriff one day after track practice. And I had, you know, was faced with the decision. I either had to testify against my mom or I would be in trouble. And so, um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was a crazy story. Did you end up testifying? So what happened is um, she ended up taking a plea deal so I wouldn't have to testify. And so she, um, you know, she agreed to taking a plea deal, but because she had a history of doing this, um, what happened is, you know, we went through about almost a year of that process. And then I was at the sentencing and I remember that day, just like it was yesterday, I was sitting in the back of the room. And my mom was in the front and the judge looked at me and looked at my mom. And she said, given the crime, I could give you the maximum sentence of 25 years. And she said, but I'm not. And that's because of your daughter, because I don't want your daughter to feel like she sent her mother to prison for the rest of her life. And so, and I just had these, you know, silent tears streaming down my face. And so she got sentenced for six years. And so I was in college then I was 19 and, um, you know, we had to work through some of our stuff, but we did. And so every single Sunday uh, after track practice, I'd drive two hours to the women's state penitentiary and I would visit her. And, you know, the first couple months, it was a little weird, but after that, I actually really enjoyed those Sunday visits and I got to know the other women in the prison and it was fun, you know, and they were, um, you know, that experience, I think one of the things that now is one of my core beliefs is I don't think anybody is entirely good or entirely bad. Um, we all have a story, right? I think some people are good people that just make bad decisions. And, um, one of the things that, you know, I think impacted, and I didn't know it at the time, but now looking back in hindsight changed my career. Even, um, there was this one woman there and her name was Cheryl and Cheryl was like crazy, right? Like she was in there for drugs and prostitution. And I go down there and she'd tell me all these crazy, crazy stories. And I was like, Cheryl, I'm like this 19 year old innocent girl. Why are you telling me all this (laughs) stuff? You know? And this is before, like now people can just phones, they can look stuff up, but you know, the internet was, I mean, I didn't even have a smartphone then. And so, um, I, uh, I remember one day I was like, why are you like, actually Cheryl, why are you telling me this stuff? And I, I'll never forget what she said. She said, 
um, she just looked at me. She said, you know, Natalie, she said, nobody visits me anymore. She's like, my kids stopped visiting me. My sister stopped visiting two years ago. These wow. women are all that I have in here. And I, when I share my stories, I feel less alone and I'll never forget that. And I really do believe that, that when you own your stories, those stories have less power over you. And that's kind of the core of my whole business and my whole brand. I share, I share pretty much everything. Um, but I also believe that's why people um, are attracted to my brand is because they, you know, once you start telling, talking about things that people don't usually talk about, all of a sudden people are like, whoa, hmm. like she's thinking all the same things in my head that I thought, but I'm too scared to say. And I think with you, Josh, with your brand kind of tying, looping, closing the loop, I think a lot, you say a lot of things that people think, but they're probably too afraid to say. And mm. I think that's why people are drawn to you. And so for me, um, I talk about all the things and I, you know, tell people my opinion, but I also think just because of those experiences I had growing up, I naturally have more empathy for people who, um, you know, I do believe that I, I believe sometimes people just make bad decisions, but I don't think anybody's hundred percent good right. or a hundred percent bad, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I want to dig further into the story sharing part of that. Cause that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, one of the issues that I'm facing right now and I'm trying to figure out in my brand and my stuff is what to share and how to share it from a vulnerability standpoint, meaning yeah. like, all right. So hear me out here. I'm going to try to explain this the best I can. I've actually, yeah. I don't think I've ever quite shared it this way before. So yep. fingers crossed, maybe you can help me walk me through this. Right. Yep. Um, I live a pretty good life. Okay. Yeah. I've worked my butt off. Like mm -hmm. I work harder than anyone that I know, at least to get to this point. Right. Like uh, unbelievable amounts of work went into this. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, yeah. When people are like, oh, Josh, can we got featured in uh, Forbes, found out about Yay, yesterday, which congrats. is just so, so exciting. Um, yeah. Think different theory or whatever. So like, people are like, oh, Josh, that's amazing. Like, how'd you do that? I was like, I, man, I just worked for like five straight years. You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, so my thing is like the more I grow and the more I mature, the less um, dramatic I get. Yeah. And so the, the more I like pull back from sharing some like dramatic-y type things or anything that has to do with me looking messy or dramatic, not because I'm ashamed of them so much, but like I'm dream 100-ing Russell Brunson right now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm dream 100-ing Tom Bilyeu and Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, these are big name type people and like mm -hmm. that's the next level of people that I'm going after or after. Because I have worked very hard, and this is not because I'm so great, I want to clarify, I'm not, guys, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, right? But like, I get to hang out with people like you a lot, yeah. and Steve Larson, yeah. and Colin Wayne, and Brad Gibb. I mean, these are people that are, make a ton of money, and like, you know what I mean? And like, have very successful businesses. That's my clientele. These are my friends. These are the type of people that I've worked to hang around. So now I want to continue leveling up. And my fear is, is that if I'm putting out content, on social media that is dramatic or that is maybe more like when I deal with things, I don't go through the perfect webinar script or the epiphany bridge script in my head. You know what I mean? Like a lot yeah. of times it's just like pieces and in order to do marketing, in order to write stories, I mean, I can't write con contextual posts that are this long every single day, right? Like sometimes I need to summarize a story down into a much more a story you know, easy to read thing right where you're not going to bring all all parts of the you know context to the story and i'm like what's the balance of being like truly authentic and real and like i don't know i have a hard time like sharing struggles because i live a 
like, don't get me wrong. I, str I struggle like a lot. Yeah. I wrestle with God a lot. My brother died last year, like hardest year of my freaking life. And I opened up about that. But like a lot of my problems I know are such first world problems. It's ridiculous, right? Like yeah. I'm like, oh man, I've got money in the bank. I've got a family that loves me. My parents are still together. I don't worry about finances all that much. You know what I mean? Like my yeah. life overall is pretty great. And yeah. so then I look at the problems of the world and I go, ah, well, big problems in the world. Like I want to help and I want to get involved politically a little bit and like things like that because I genuinely want to help people. But I have a hard time being like sharing my internal struggles because I literally feel guilty that I have it so good. Like, yeah. how do you deal with that? That's a great question. And I agree. I actually wrote some notes down because I uh, didn't want to forget like how to respond to each of those points because there's so many things we could dive deep in. But um so first I would say, I think when every level you hit, you're going to have people who just don't get it. Right. Like, I still think my family just thinks I goof off on Facebook all day <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm running a big corporation and which, which, have a lot of employees really quick for context for those listening that have no idea who Natalie is or what. Oh, yeah. Doing. We probably should tell what I do. Yeah, like, huh? Who are you? Like, just give us a, a 30 second, yeah. a minute long. Like, what do you do? So I always think, you know, I probably need a better elevator pitch because when a random person says, what do you do? I'm like, well, my job's very unique. Um, so I run a big corporation. Long story short, I'll keep it super short. Basically, um, I started blogging a decade ago after I had my son, I gained 70 pounds and it was just like an online journal for me. It was like a secret. I didn't tell anybody I knew in real life and I like to cook. So I started taking unhealthy recipes and making them healthy and I was putting mm. them on Pinterest. Now this was Pinterest 10 years ago, not Pinterest now. And so I was taking like flip phone photos and it was bad, but I started getting <laughs> some traffic to my site. And I was like, you know, if I'm getting, I was a decent amount, like 30,000 people a month. Wow. And I was like, if I'm getting all this traffic, I might as well try to monetize it. So right. I got certified as a personal trainer and I started writing eBooks and then, and I was doing okay. You know, as a stay home mom selling eBooks, writing, it was going well. And then I went through a divorce about five, almost five years ago. And, um, we had agreed on, you know, no child support or alimony. We did 50, 50. And so all of a sudden I was like, okay, Natalie, your back's up against the wall financially. And I remember that day vividly, I was, I had this little town home I was renting. I was sitting on my couch. I pulled my Wells Fargo up on my phone and I had like three months of rent left and no income coming in. And that was it. And I was like, Hey, I, I have to figure this out. And so that's when I started, um, writing more eBooks. And that's when I learned about funnels and click funnels. And I had never, I didn't know anything about internet marketing. I'd never collected a single email address. I didn't know about any of that. I was not a traditional uh, marketer. That's crazy. Um, and so I looked at my Google analytics and my number one blog post was this weird word called diastasis recti. And the second one was pelvic floor dysfunction, essentially in normal language, that means a lot of times after women have babies, if they laugh, cough, sneeze, jump on a trampoline, they'll accidentally pee their pants a little bit. And I had this video of me, I had owned a company where we filmed workouts and I peed my pants on camera. And I was like, and I also had a doctor friend who knew how to fix this problem. Anyways, long story short, we ended up writing um, an ebook that is a four week program that fixes this problem. And I knew I had to have a heart to heart with myself and I had to say, okay, hey, Natalie, are you willing to tell the whole world that you used to pee your pants? <laughs> and I'm so grateful I did in hindsight, right, right. but we launched the program. I used that video. I, um, and the program works. That's, you know, it was a good program. Right, it wasn't right. a copy book. And I partnered with a doctor to write it. And, um, I remember I reached out to her the day after Thanksgiving. I said, Hey, I have this idea. We started writing it the day after Christmas and we launched it January 31st. Wow. So a month, a month, a month. 
within four months of launching that $37 ebook, we had sold over a million dollars of that $37 ebook. That's insane. So and then I continued to write more yeah. ebooks. Yeah, yeah, it's continued to go and go. And I have a lot of ebooks now. I was like, well, that works so well. Let's do more. And so I've written crockpot cookbooks and I'm not a chef, but what I did is I just looked at the areas that people were already coming to me with questions. And I just started mm. answering them. People wanted to know my crockpot recipes. I was like, okay, I'll write a crockpot cookbook. Um, so we started in, did all eBooks. And now what we did is after a couple of years, I was like, gosh, I've learned so much along the way. I felt like I had this moral obligation to teach people how I did it. And so we have um, something called Peak Business Academy where I teach other people how to do create something similar to what I've done. Mm. And then we do challenges and retreats and that kind of stuff. So in a nutshell, what I tell people in one sentence is I have a company where we sell digital products, eBooks, membership sites, and courses, but it's a lot more than that. And you're primarily, you're primarily selling to women in the health space. Yeah. We started in the fitness space. Now I'm, I get more excited about the mindset and the personal development piece, but fitness will always be a part of my brand. So I believe a strong woman is somebody who's strong in three pillars. So strong physically strong, emotionally and strong financially. So all my content, I'll say, okay, this falls underneath this pillar here. This falls okay. underneath this pillar. So and, and anyways, roughly, roughly how many customers do you have? Or have uh, created- we've put over a quarter million, maybe 300,000 people through our programs in Insane. the last three, Wait- two and a half years, three years. Congratulations. Uh, that is, that is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. So. And then we have social media reach of about 2 million people about between million. Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. and Pinterest. We use Pinterest a lot, actually. Pinterest, by the way, for those of you guys listening, if you're in the marketing space, it's like the untapped area that people should be on right now, in my opinion. It, it, well, if your audience is women, there's more women. I was going to just say, yeah. I, I feel it's like... the third largest search engine in the world. Really? Right I didn't now. know that. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, huh. we have a process where we um, spend a couple hours a month. We put up a number of pins. So we batch it at the beginning of the month and we get one to 2 million unique impressions per month, almost for free using Pinterest. So That's no insane. paid advertising. Yeah. That's so insane. anyways, just okay. a little tip. Okay. Perfect. So going back. Go, going back. To yeah. Going the back to the question. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is what I think. Um, I think, I believe, and Brene, so, you know, Brene Brown's content. She's like, uh, she's a, if you haven't watched her Ted talk, anybody listening, go watch it right now. Her Brittany work. Brown? It's Brene. So it's like Renee with a B oh. in front of it. Okay, and Brene. her work changed my life. Uh, YouTube Brene Brown power of vulner- vulnerability. Okay. And, um, her books, she has a book called, uh, daring greatly and rising strong. I call them the magic books because every time I read them and I've read them five or six times, I get something different out of them. Like hmm. Every single human on this planet should listen to her content. But um, what she did is she taught people that vulnerability is the ultimate human connector. And she taught us that we need to be vulnerable and that vulnerability is actually a strength. But what nobody's really talking about is your exact question is how do you actually be vulnerable? Yeah. And and, and, and um, more specifically too, like how to be vulnerable and how how to do it in such a way where it doesn't seem like you're complaining whining yeah, yeah exactly it's like a lot so, of people so have that confusing. question yeah because you just so, feel like you have it so good and then there's these other people that don't yeah. you're like eh. yeah. so first off i think it's so important to stay in gratitude right um right in fact do you um follow tom billy or david goggins they talk about the 80 20 rule i just so met, 80, okay really 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 side note real quick yeah. tom billy spoke at funnel mm-hmm. hacking live uh, yep. which super sad you weren't there. Um, I got to meet, I got to meet him afterwards, right place, right time. He's coming down the escalator down on the bridge. You were, were you there last year? 
I was there last okay, year. Okay, so yeah. you know, like you come out yep. of the, the conference hall and there's that, that bridge across there. So I'm like walking up as he's coming down and there's like 50 people around him, but it's like half of it was like they were all behind him. So he came mm-hmm. up and I was like right there and then all the people swarmed around him. And I'm, Tom Bilyeu runs Impact Theory for those of you guys that don't know. He has impacted my life so much. I mean, I Thank freaking you. named the show after it, right? Impact Theory, Think yeah. Different Theory. So I got to meet him, and then I got to ask him. Um, we have it all on video. It's a five-minute video clip. Uh-huh. I asked him about the death of my brother and about truth and, like, where he finds truth and everything like that. So I absolutely love Tom. Um, super, super cool experience there. Tom's amazing. I, w- I got a chance to speak at um, the influencer event Brendan Burchard put on a couple months ago, yeah. and he was one of the speakers. And oh, so nice. we got to spend time backstage, too. And That's super cool. He, I have Post-it notes all over my house, and almost all of them are – and they're words that just inspire me – almost all are Tom's words. Wow. And wow. I started that a couple of years ago when I needed, when I was going through my divorce and I needed that reminder that action and identity are what matter. And anyways, I showed him those and I told him the story of my kids, how he's impacted my kids. And he filmed a video to my kids on my phone. Like, oh, anyways, so I could cool. go off. That's so yeah, cool. Okay. Tom is an amazing human being, but yeah. what they talk a lot about is the 80, 20 rule. So 80% of the time you live in gratitude, 20% of the time, David Goggins calls it the cookie jar where you have these things that like rile you up and you reach into that for motivation for, Mm. to get that fire underneath of you. And I believe the same is true with vulnerability, right? In real life, we don't walk around to our friends and family hundred percent of the time being (laughs) vulnerable. Right. And so you wouldn't do that with your audience there. And so 80% of the content I put out is just really good content that helps people that serves people. And then 20% is where I share more of the vulnerable stuff. And I have a, so what's interesting. So take a step back before I really understood all of this. I was, I just knew that when I was vulnerable, it worked, but I didn't understand why. And the, like the, the science, the geek in me wanted to figure that out. So I like geeked out on all the research papers of vulnerability. And what I recognize is that there's a link between um, vulnerability and shame. So they're like oil and water. They can't survive together. So typically the more vulnerable you are on a topic, the less shame you feel about that area and vice versa. The more shame you have about something, the harder it is for you to be vulnerable. Hmm. So I realized that link. And then I was like, okay, well, what's shame? So I started to geek out on shame and I've read probably every research paper out there. And in a nutshell, the definition of shame is the belief that you're not good enough and that you're not capable of change. And so what I started to realize is that the more vulnerable I was willing to be on any topic, One, the shame I had around that, once you own your stories, those stories no longer have power over you. The shame went down, but what was so cool, and this was like the coolest part about having an audience, people that you can speak to, is that when I started to infuse my content with, so also some people hate the word vulnerable. I just say real, okay? If you don't like the word vulnerable, it's just being real. Um, What happened is that then by default, when my audience was taking in that content, they started to feel like they were good enough and that they were capable of change. And when people believe that they're good enough and they're capable of change, guess what? They'll rally around you. They'll buy your content and they'll trust you. And so um, I have like an 80, 20 rule, but if you actually look at like Hollywood, for example, right, you notice the top influencers are very, very subtly good at being vulnerable. If you look at um, Joe Rogan, for example, he's like crazy, but he doesn't just share his stories. Like he like puts it all out there. Right. If you look at Tom Bilyeu, Tom Bilyeu talks about how his wife's dad said no when he asked to marry her <laughs> yeah, because he that story. He, yeah. yeah, because he thought he couldn't ever provide. If you look at The Rock, right? He's like the number one most loved Hollywood celebrity. Yeah. He talks openly about depression and Demi Lovato talks about eating disorders in her lyrics and Ellen DeGeneres talks about sexuality. And so if you look, there's a lot of people who are subtly very good at this, but it's not 
all in your face all the time. It's about an 80, 20 rule. Mm. And what's cool is that if you look at the, um, the research, statistically, there's actually a number of topics that people feel shame around. Do you want to guess what the number one uh, topic for women might be? I mean, I got, I assume it's like body image. Exactly. Bingo yeah, body yeah. image. You want to guess what it is for men? I, it's gotta be finances. Yep. Not being able to provide yeah. for your family. That's crazy. Then, ah. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? And mm. then the list goes on. I actually have the list right here pulled up. Let me pull it up. So the list goes on. There's 16 topics and it's um, motherhood and fatherhood, not being a good parent, family problems, uh, money, employment, mental and physical health, sex, aging, religion, stereotypes and labels, uh, speaking out. That's more for women than men. Yeah. Surviving trauma and abuse and addiction. Wow. And those if you home runs, I can understand why every single one of those makes sense. Huh? Well, and so exactly. And so what I do is I say, okay, statistically, we know that most people on this planet have felt shame around one, if not many of those topics. And so what I do with my content is I say, okay, what, you know, how, uh, Russell Brunson talks about his arsenal of stories with creating epiphany bridges. Right. Mm -hmm. I took that, I, I adapted that a little bit and I said, okay, let's look at this list and what are my arsenal of stories on any of these topics. And so, um, you know, I know that when I'm willing to tell my stories, people will relate to that. Mm. So how can I brainstorm my list of things that, um, I have had shame over in the past because I believe that anytime you have shame, you're going to hit a ceiling of how high you can go. in yeah. that. And so once yeah. you're willing to address the shame, um, then you're released by the chains of shame. And so, to specifically answer your question, how do you do it? I kind of have a four-step process that I've learned. So first off, it's really important to remember. It's important to remember to share scars and not open wounds. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I say that meaning, like, let's give an example, right? So um, the reason I say that is because any little shred of criticism, if it's a wide open wound, can shatter you into a, a million pieces. And I mean, sometimes yeah. you just need to wait to share until later. And so let's say you're like going through bankruptcy, like tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend sharing that right now because one, it can make you, it's just weird. And it can also even make other people feel a little bit uncomfortable, uncomfortable big time. Um, but that's an amazing story to share later. Once you've worked through it, once it's more of a scar. And so one of the tips I have, the problem is it's hard sometimes to share things later because you're through it, you've worked through it. So it's hard to remember those real raw emotions. So what I do is I, just pull out my notes on my iPhone and I shorthand, not full sentences, but I jot down those raw emotions that I'm feeling. So then later when I'm trying to write about it, I don't have writer's block. I can remember sometimes I'll even, I've had, I've not released anything like this, but sometimes I've even filmed myself when I'm melting down to use later, just to, as a reminder of how I felt in that moment. Um, I think, and, and, then, and real, real quick, I, I just want to go back to the example yeah. of, of sharing uh, scars, not wounds. I think mm -hmm. you said making people feel uncomfortable. There's a guy we had on the show here earlier and um, I, I know, I'm sure you know who he is and, and many of the listeners probably do as well, but like look at Matt Maddox who, oh, yeah. by the way, I, I like Matt, right? He and I are friends. I saw my funnel hacking live. You know, we, we talk, but like, that would be an example of making a lot of people feel really uncomfortable by sharing something that you're going through at, at an improper period of time, right? And like, yeah. keep in mind, you get a lot of views, right? Like sure. if you were going through bankruptcy tomorrow and we're talking about it, it's a lot of them, like a lot of people would view that, but think of how, and you know, if, if you go back and look at it, a lot of people were very, very uncomfortable. Even I, like we had them on the show like a week after it happened. Cause I was like, oh, wow. I was like, 
if you're talking, I will interview you, right? And so yeah. we brought him on, and it was very, very interesting. Even then, he was settled down a little bit. But, like, it certainly hurt his brand overall mm -hmm. um, from a lot of people's perspective. Now, he's off doing his thing. Once again, Matt, if you're listening, you know, I, I respect him as a friend. But that's an example of not sharing a scar, but that's an open wound. He was hurting, right? There were some definite yeah. things that he was going through in his life that needed to be addressed. That probably wasn't the best, you know, time to, to share that. Um, yeah. But... And that's the result you get from it. Well, and there is a little bit of a gray area there too, because sometimes when you share it, actually having a, a, a supportive tribe of people around you can be helpful, right? For example, um, you shared, you know, what happened with your brother when it happened. Yeah. I went through an ectopic pregnancy a number of years ago and I wasn't planning to share it, but I was just so pissed off and angry that I just shared it. And yeah. it was amazing. I just heard my rooster crow. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> It was amazing because I had strangers send me cards of support. I mean, yeah. it was, that was helpful. So there is a teeny bit of a gray area, yeah, but I, also, like that. I would say that probably in that time, like if, if overwhelming majority of the people that you know are going to be supportive, I mean, there are very few people that would see the death of Kyle and be like, yeah, woohoo, you suck. Mm -hmm. you just, like that's not going to exactly. happen as that. In fact, I actually got much more blowback after the fact, once it was a scar, I mean, I've had people when I came out and supported Trump, I've literally had people message me saying, I hope like, I'm glad your brother died. I hope it happens to the rest of your family members. I mean, oh like, like just terrible, terrible things. So like, I, it, there is that gray area in there. I would agree. Yeah, I agree. So, um, I do have a kind of a, and we went a long time on this topic, but I do have so, kind yeah. of a four step system that yeah, I follow. Sorry. Yeah. And, um, my rooster, I hope you can't hear that. Sorry guys, if you can, and well, that's real life. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I basically, I, it's a four-step process. So step number one is I lead with the raw, the vulnerable stuff, but how you were feeling. Cause what happens is in that first sentence, people will see that and they'll be like, Whoa, like she's, she or he is saying all the things I'm thinking in my head, but I'm too, you know, let's say one of the topics is addiction. Let's say you start talking about addiction you had gone through, or, you know, the, the story about my mom, right. You lead with that, that vulnerable stuff. Um, and then what you do is you show yourself a little bit of grace and take responsibility for what got you there. If it was like a mistake you went through, mm. um, three, I look back at another time in my life where I had felt kind of similar and I relate it to that. And then four, I, and four is the most important part is that I loop it back around with how I worked through it, or if I'm in it, how I plan to work through it. The reason that's the most important is because one, it turns it from a negative, what you were worried about being whiny to a positive. And then secondly, um, it gives other people a hope, a plan. And they're like, okay, well, if that's how she worked through it, I could do it too. And so that's kind of my process. And it, it, it didn't, it's not like I sat down and wrote out a process. I just noticed that most of right. my viral posts followed that. And so now I, I follow that model because, you know, you, you grab people's attention by being vulnerable, but you finish it on a positive note. Yeah. And that's kind of how I turned, you know, being vulnerable and sharing and not seeming whiny as to like, okay, let's look at the silver lining in this, or let's look at how we can work through this. And then it gives people, you know, it's like the four minute mile. Well, if she would felt the same way I do right now and she worked through it, I could do it too. I can do it too. I can. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Who, who is bet or how do I want to phrase this question? What has <laughs> been the biggest um, response to a post or to a story that you've shared? Like what what story or like what what moment has uh, it looks like you might have one yeah. in mind right here? Yeah. Like what's been the biggest response positively when you've done and shared something like this? So I can tell you, um, 
it was a video that added a hundred thousand organic followers to my Facebook page. Yeah. So basically you were talking about dream 100. There was a blog or a influencer out there and her name was Heidi Powell. Her and her husband had a TV show on ABC called extreme weight loss. And, um, I just liked following her. She has four kids and, um, I was following her and she was doing this series on perfectly imperfect. And I was like, I talk about that. I would be, a, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'd be great on this. Right. Right. So right. I went to her website. There's no contact button. So I was like really bummed. I was like, dang it. And, um, and so I, the next day I woke up, I was like, no, I really want to do this. So I just started guessing. I put in like 10 different email addresses, like HP at HeidiPal.net, um, contact at HeidiPal.net, admin, Heidi at, you know, and all of them came back, bounce, 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 bounce. But one of them went through and her assistant Lisa wrote me back and she was like, actually, we've heard about you and we'd love to have you as a feature. Oh, that's crazy. And so um, I actually decided to film a video and at first it was a nine minute video and they nixed it. They were like, this is too long. Our audience won't pay attention. So I redid the whole thing and I led by talking about perfectly imperfect. And I kind of started mm. with like, you know, this makeup hair done is what most people see. But, and then I flipped the camera without any makeup. I was like, but this is actually how, but the part that made me the most nervous was, um, I stood up and I, you know, when I stand up and I'm in shape, so I've got, you know, good abs and, I was like this, I've had some beautiful professional photographs taken. Um, but what most people don't see is that when I bend over, I had two 10 pound babies and my skin is really stretched and wrinkly. Huh. And I showed it and I zoomed in on it and I oh, was man. scared to death to show that. And now I've talked about it so much right, now that right, right. it doesn't phase me. Like I said, I've said three times now, once you own your stories, those yeah. stories don't have power of you. But I had so much shame around this body image, this idea of wanting to look amazing and be in good shape. And, mm. um, I was, I remember going to hit post and my hand did this, I was like shaking and I, um, I couldn't look at the computer for like 30 minutes after. Cause I was certain I was going to come back to internet trolls and it did. It was the opposite. It was wow. so many women saying, Oh my gosh. You know, and this was a couple of years ago. I feel like more people talk about it now, but they were like, I've never, you know, I, yeah, I have that yeah. too. And I never knew somebody else did. And um, that cause kind of what kicked off a lot of my wanting to talk about stuff that people don't talk about because I realized the power of it and not, see, this is where I feel like it's a, it's a fine line between me talking about, it's not just a marketing ploy, right? It's right. not just, right. Oh, what can I do that will get attention from people? It's genuinely, how can I help people? And where, you know, because I do believe that that's true power when you can positively influence people, when you can make people, when you can reduce their shame. And again, the definition of shame is that you're not good enough and you're not capable of change. So if you mm. can get people to believe that they are good enough, they are capable of change. That's true power that you can have. And I think one thing, and we talked about this on our last show as well. I, I think one thing that's different and that a lot of the average person doesn't understand about maybe your life and my life is we have chosen whether indirectly or directly to be an influencer right like i don't think uh, reading your story i don't think you were like yeah I, i'm gonna no, be, I was a, his I'm a, I'm a I was history major right, in college right, i thought i, I was gonna be a history <laughs> teacher you know right and and me i mean i'm pretty vocal about wanting to become that but like when you when you do that the dynamic changes and it's mm -hmm. not you're no longer just a marketer right mm -hmm. and so like you I, I look at some people that are marketers and they are really good at marketers but mm -hmm. me i'm like i am a marketer but more importantly i am a communicator right yeah. like i need to learn how to communicate well oh it just so happens 
that marketing is like the highlights and the best pieces of all communication, right? So when you're an influencer, you add elements that you wouldn't use in marketing, but you do have a lot of the elements that you would use in marketing. And so the blowback that I have typically seen, and I would imagine question mark that you see this as well, typically comes from those people that are like, oh, you're just using this to get views. You're just using this to get dollars or like whatever. And it's like, well, no, it just so happens that the same process you use to get dollars and views is what you do to tell a good story, is what you do to be open and vulnerable. And I can use pretty much any elements of my life to relate to someone because I am a normal person, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't have any superpowers. I might be weird, right? I might not let you know things happen. I might live a different life, but like those same struggles come in. And so I think a lot of people like look at influencers as these people that are like, oh, you're just trying to do it to get money. Because some of them do. But like, yeah. we're just, I'm just over here like, now I'm just trying to live my life and I'm trying to relate to you people because like, this is what I've chosen to do with my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I, I totally agree with that. And I think for me, my heart is in helping people that just, that's what gives me my motivation. Yeah. And so I've, I, I am a communicator that has had to learn to be a marketer, I guess, if that mm, makes sense. So I, I like wasn't that. a marketer first. I had to learn those. So that way I could run the company and, you know, impact more people. But for me, my heart isn't like when I can, when I get a message from somebody saying that I've positively impacted them or I've changed their life that yeah. in fact, you know what I do? So we, I have hard days. We all have hard days, right? Is um, I create what I call them anchors um, for myself. And so on those days where I'm feeling like stressed out or overwhelmed, I keep screenshots of all the kind messages that people have sent oh, me. And that's, cool. in my, that's in my anchors album. Or I have pictures of like the day I bought my house as a single mom with my kids and I standing on the front porch. Like I have uh, that as an anchor. Hmm. I have certain things that in a moment can reset me. I have a playlist, same thing with working out, right? You have days where you don't feel like working out. I have music, but I can listen to that song and I'm like, all right. You're like, I'm, I'm in the <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, and then, oh, go ahead. yeah, well, I was just gonna say, and then I have affirmations around my house. Like I talked about, I have, um, you know, I have one right here, every choice you make or fail to make not only follows you into the future, it actually writes your future. Your choices yeah. matter a lot. Act accordingly, you know, say yes, figure it out, even if it scares you. And if it, you know, scares you more reason to say yes and get after it, you know, things like that, that, um, that keep me in the right mindset are anchors yeah. and affirmations. Mm -hmm. I want to talk real quick about stories and about specifically the stories we tell ourselves um, because, you know, you're big on mindset and, and belief and shame. Yeah. And, and one of the things that you say a lot, which I love, and actually, I think you were the first person that actually said it like this, which really stuck with me was um, if you put your stories out there, they no longer have power over you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I actually did an episode, I think it was before, um, you came on the podcast, uh, which kind of talks about that similar thing, which is you've got to face the deep, deep, dark demons of your mind, right? Like you've got to face those dark things because when you face them and you take care of them, now they don't have power over anymore or over you anymore. And I think this is something that a lot of people are afraid of. Um, and Katie, we talked about Katie's, do you have a coach by the way? Uh, not currently we did. I did for years and years and years. I'm in between right now. Okay. So you're, but like you, you understand the importance of coaches and the power of coaches. hundred like, percent. Like your... I've always been, I've always been in a coaching group, whether that's for physical fitness, whether that's for business, whether that's for mindset. Yeah. So one of the things that, uh, Katie has taught me a lot and has drilled home. And once again, you heard it before, but all of a sudden you write a $60,000 check and you know, you, you start to pay attention a little bit more. Right. Uh, um, but you go, uh, she says, the stories you tell yourself about you control you, right? Yes. So whatever, whatever story you're telling yourself, that's a lie, right? Because yep. there's 
and I think I have to con uh, bring context around this here because it's super important. I believe there's two types of truth in the world, okay? There's absolute truth, which is eternal, right? That is morality, the laws upon which we all operate by, which we'll never fully understand some of the things we have to accept by faith. Then there's a the second type of truth, which is like where 90% of our days are made up, and that is our own personal truth, right? Yeah. And our truth is defined by the stories that we tell ourselves. So whatever you're yeah. telling yourself right now, it's a lie. If, if mm -hmm. it's holding you back and whatever version of yourself that you want to become, you just need to start telling yourself that, that the story and like by default, you will start acting out of that. Right. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about how owning your stories allows you to create room for new stories to come in, because that's one of the big things that I found was like, whoa, when I went through and faced, because I had some had some stories, right? I had some stuff that I had to go face, some demons. But when I did that, it's not only that they stopped holding me back. It's literally that I now had room to put new stories in my mind. You know what yeah. I mean? So, cause you, like, I'm curious, just talk to me about stories right now and, um, yeah. and, and how much so it changed your life. I love that you brought this up because you know, I just talked about, I have post-it notes all over my house. So yeah. the one next to my bed that I look at every single day is word for word, what you just said. It's identity equals the stories that you, the story you tell yourself about yourself. Mm. But the beautiful thing about identity is that it's malleable. And so I believe that, so there's two side, there's two ways to look about this. Sometimes it's hard to just tell yourself, Oh, I'm going to be a different person, right? Because yeah. our subconscious is like, well, wait, I'm this person over here. And so what I always tell people and what I've done myself is you really need to start to think about the way that you think. And most people don't do that, right? Most people are just like, yeah, this, these are just the thoughts I think. That's just what my brain does. But when you really start to pay attention, you can shift that and you can do it in a series of ways. So one of the things I start to do is I say, okay, I'm not going to ask myself why questions. Why did this happen to me? Why can't I follow through on everything? Why do I suck so bad? Why don't these people like me? Instead, I flip them to how questions or who questions. Mm. So how can I model somebody else who has successfully done this in the past? How can I figure this out? How can I educate myself so I can do something similar? And when you start to look at, because what will happen, and science has proven this, your brain will naturally fill in the holes of the questions that you're asking. And so if you're asking yourself negative questions, subconsciously, you're going to start to find negative answers. But if you start asking yourself positive questions or questions like, who can I model? How can I figure this out? Your brain will subconsciously start to fill in those holes. And the, um, the, what is it called? Oh, I'm having a brain funk right now, but the way that like the neuron, the neurons in your brain transmit to each other will shift. And that's been proven by science. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, one of the things that I believe, and I don't know if you've ever heard of a gal named Katie Byron. Um, she has really cool work that she's in. It's called the work of Katie Byron. And she has a four step process that she puts people through and her whole thing. She has a cool story. She used to be super depressed. She was, she had, what's that word where you're afraid to leave your house. Um, she had like a massive fear of people and she started to believe and she dug into the science of it, that it's um, your thoughts actually create your reality. Okay, and so, yeah. so she created this, these four questions. And I still ask myself these questions at times when I'm starting to feel that my mindset is slipping back. And it's um, so let's say, for example, you walk into a party and you're there and everybody, you know, is talking to other people and you start thinking to yourself, I don't belong here. Nobody here wants me here. I, you know, I'm awkward. And you start like feeling really uncomfortable. So the four questions you'd ask yourself is one, is that thought true? And it can only be yes or no. It can't be, well, maybe. And it might be yes. It might be no. The second question is, 
is this thought absolutely without a shadow of a doubt with hundred percent certainty true? And usually what you'll find is that, no, that thought, you know, that's not absolutely true. Hmm. And then the third question is, um, uh, how does it make me feel when I believe those thoughts are true? So when you feel like nobody wants you there, you start to feel small and insecure and feel bad about yourself. And then the fourth question is, what would my life be like without that thought in my head? Hmm. And without that thought in your head, you'd go to the party and you'd probably be like, oh, cool. There's good food over there. Or, hey, I see this person over there that's talking to somebody that's else. Crazy. I'll go talk to them in a minute. And so you can retrain the way that your brain thinks using those four questions and um, her stuff's awesome. Like I used to geek out on her YouTube videos all the time, but you know, for me, um, I think focusing on identity has been the biggest thing that has shifted my life. And Tom, Bill, you taught me a lot about that, that we have the humans are an adaptive species. Like we are, yeah. that's how we're built, yeah. but it doesn't feel comfortable at the beginning. And so what you need to do is you need to learn to train your brain. For me, and this is where I know I'm different than most people out there. Like most motivational gurus will say, shoot for the moon. Cause even if you miss, you'll hit the stars or, you know, you're, you what is it? BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. I'm not saying big dreams and big goals aren't, there's not a time and a place, but yeah. I also believe that what I do is I tell people to scale it way back. And we do yeah. something called micro goals where you focus into like and it feels weird at first because you're like, these are too easy, but what you, but it's not about the goal itself. It's about the process. And it's about learning to, to teach yourself that you can say you're going to do something and then actually do it. And then what happens is you give yourself small little wins. I actually have people write them on a check on a whiteboard. And in fact, well, it's half erased right now. I happen to have it right here because I was doing this in a presentation. It's my hand erased that, but I take their micro goals, break it into personal business or financial and family. Oh, that's super cool. And then cool. when you hit them, you put a big red check mark on your whiteboard. And what that does is it gives you a win and a win will give you momentum to give to the next step. And mm. I teach people focus on good, better, best, right? Cause a lot of times we get into what I call the three P's perfectionism, paralyzation or procrastination, paralyzation. And so we'll like, oh, I have to be perfect. I have to do everything perfectly. And then you can't do it. So you procrastinate and then you feel paralyzed and you just stay exactly where you're at. And so what I tell people is oftentimes you're trying to go 20 feet with a 10 foot leash attached to you. And so instead of trying to go 20 feet and getting nowhere, let's focus on just going 10 feet or even five feet or even yeah. two feet, but two feet forward is better than staying exactly where you're at. Yeah. And the way to do that is through this process called good, better, best. So you aim for best. If you can't do best, it doesn't mean you're a failure, right? Right. The subtle difference in words. Um, and this is what I believe creates your identity is when I was able to separate just because I failed, doesn't mean I'm a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Subtle difference in words, big difference in what they mean. One's an act and one's your identity. Yeah. And so if you can't do better, focus on best that day. If you can't do best, focus on good, but good is still going to move you forward instead of staying stuck in perfectionism and yeah. paralyzation. Yeah. And I love that. And, and one of the things that, um, Gosh, there's so many things there that I'm just like, I know. oh, so good. I um, know. We could talk forever, forever Josh. on that. Um, one of the things Katie told me, like, was right when I hired, it was like the first thing, right? I was like, I hired you to be my business coach, right? And so I sit down, and I'm like, here are all my business problems. I don't know that I should do this or this or this or this or this or this. And the very first thing that she said to me, and I'll never forget this. She's like, Josh, the first thing that we need to do is we need to understand that language is power. Mm -hmm. And I'm like. Okay, what do you mean? Like, I, I know that, I think. Like, you know, what does that mean? And she goes, well, the language that you speak 
determines the questions that you ask, determines the answers that you get, and the answers that you get, that is how you operate, right? So the stories that you tell yourself comes from the language that you speak, right? So you need to choose your words carefully. And that's, by the way, not just audible words. That is the words in the stories that are going through your mind. So if you're telling yourself, even if you can't hear it, it's in your head, these words, that is going to determine the reality because you're basing your information. I mean, like you said, the subtle difference in failed and failure, right? We're talking like a couple letter difference, massive, massive, massive implications long-term, but because we're so focused on just this little short-term and we're like, ah, we don't see how that's going to change things in the long-term because we're not looking in the right place. And so once she like, Tell me that everything I do, I go back to, I'm like, okay, what's the story I'm telling myself? What questions am I asking myself? What language am I using? I think that's so powerful. hundred percent. Yeah. Just cause you screwed up. Doesn't mean you're a screw up just cause you failed. Doesn't mean you're a failure. Yep. And I think, and I'm going to go back to this. This is like my thing that I love is that I also believe that areas that we have shame around until we're able to address those head on, you're always going to hit a ceiling. You're always going to get stuck. You're always going to feel like you're not good enough. Right. And so I just tell people one, figure out the area that you have shame and then add the word yet. I'm not good enough yet. Yeah. And what, mm. what do my goals demand of me? And what is, what are the actual things I can do to take action, to make forward movement? Even if it's just one step forward, what can I do every single day to prove to myself that I can say I'm going to do something and then actually do it? I love that. I love that. Guys, um, if you have found value of any sort in this live stream, uh, just comment hashtag value down below, whether it's on Facebook or on YouTube. And if you're listening on audio, I don't know, be sure to leave a rating and review or something like that, you know, because we need more subscribers, the better, right? Um, Give them a review on iTunes. That will help us. Uh, iTunes ranking. That's right. That's right. If Josh has helped you in any way, shape or form, just go review his podcast on iTunes. That'll help him out. I appreciate that, Natalie. Um, Natalie, I want to be respectful of your time. It's been about an hour. Um, Thank you for coming on. This has been phenomenal. It's been so good to have you back on. Uh, oh, there you go. I see you. Oh, are you back? Are you gone? No, you- I, you were frozen there for a second. Oh, no. On me, but- oh, no. Okay. I said, <laughs> Natalie, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about you if they want to learn a little bit more about what you do? Yeah. So on Instagram, it's uh, at Natalie Hodson. That's H O D like David S O N like Nancy, the number one. Uh, Facebook, Natalie Hodson official or, um, you know, we have our, our challenges that we do every month. It's challenge.nataliehodson.com. Just Natalie Hodson all over the board. Natalie That's Hodson. Just Google her. She's famous, guys. Uh, <laughs> she, she, she's famous without wanting to be famous. Um, <laughs> Natalie, thank you so much. Any last words or anything that you wanted to share or, or leave us with? Yeah. You know, I mean, the Think Different Theory podcast is amazing. It really is. And I hope you guys are listening and really taking in the guests that he's bringing on, that Josh is bringing on, and the insight that Josh has. Because... Um, the one thing that I've learned is that I believe I'm not that good at that many things. I tell people that all the time, I only superpowers I can communicate well and I can connect with people. But I think one of the keys to my success is I've found people, even people who maybe were just two steps ahead of me, but I found people who were doing the things that I wanted to be doing. And I tried to learn, okay, how can I model what they're doing and how can I take the advice that they're giving and actually implement that into Mm. my day-to-day life? So if you guys are watching Josh's show, like every single show that you watch at the end, put a list on your notes section in your phone or make a mental note, write post-it notes like I do and say, okay, here's one thing that I'm going to implement from what I learned from Josh today. And I promise you, you do that five days a week for 52 weeks a year, you're going to have some significant, massive change in your life. And you're going to learn to 
think different, right? To shift the way that your brain thinks and to learn to level up like all the people he has on his podcast. So Josh is a good dude. You guys are in good hands with him. I appreciate that, Natalie. Thank you so much. That means, uh, seriously, that means a lot. So thank you so much for your time. Um, guys, <clears throat> this has been Natalie Hodson, the amazing <laughs> Natalie Hodson on Think Different <laughs> Theory. Uh, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. I love you all, and I will see you guys tomorrow. We have uh, Colin Wayne on coming on the podcast, who is he runs about a fifty million dollar a year steel company. Uh, was invited by Donald Trump himself uh, to the White House for Made in America Day uh, for companies that were made in America. He was chosen from Alabama. He's a great, great dude, uh, a good friend of mine, and uh, really looking forward to having him on. So don't miss out on that tomorrow, twelve o'clock Eastern Time, nine a.m. Pacific. Natalie, thank you so much again. Guys, Thank I love you, you all, and I will see you very, very soon. Take it easy, fam. Peace. <laughs> Bye. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas, and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh Forty or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.